2: Welcome
3: to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios.
2: And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the Thursday edition. I don't know, Kathy, sitting up here in the uh, spare room and you in your spare room, I look at uh, the, the wide world and boy, there are many times you get a little envious. Do you not?
4: I was just looking at this account I follow on Instagram. Yeah. And it's a, um, it's a kitchen, a fine kitchen cabinetry company from London. Mm. And on a daily basis, they post, you know, a new project that they've done, some handcrafted cabinetry in a beautiful hand-painted shade. Sure. That calls to mind something, you know, sincere and expensive. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And you kind of go, lean towards it.
4: And I thought, my kitchen
2: looks like crap. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a direct result of being quarantined? That's multiplied mm-hmm. even more so after well, all this was, time. It
4: was that way before. I mean, yeah, you've spoken
2: ill of it for many years,
4: right? But but because I'm restricted, as you are restricted, as everyone out there is restricted, some things are coming into sharper focus.
2: Right. Okay. So there is such a thing as quarantine envy, and let, let me tell you this quick story. The uh, the billionaire, David Geffen, he's a movie and record right. producer. Uh, right as the quarantine was taking place in mid-March, he posted photos of himself and his mega yacht on Instagram. The okay. yacht cost $550 million. <gasps> and what? he has a drone shot of him in the Caribbean. The drone, of course, floating high in the air, shooting down at the $550 million yacht as the sun sets and he said something to the effect of enjoying the pandemic. Hope you are as well. Well, as you might imagine, (laughs) the backlash was immediate and intense. Um, This envy thing, you know, people stuck now, you know, uh, here's, here's how it works. So uh, you're miserable and you're stuck and you look around and you know, uh, I'm someone has to work. They're out working at the grocery store. Well, of course they envy those people who are not working. Someone's working at home. Well, they envy people who aren't working at all, mm. or someone, you know, is, you know, struggling with just the basics. They look, see the whole picture and think, let this pandemic end because I see people up there living their lives and I'm envious of that. So it's this snowball thing that's coming and come into place that, you know that the pandemic's bad you know what you are lacking and so it's a natural born this is the absolute worst of social media right because it fuels that i don't have this everybody else does therefore i'm suffering and i'm envious so true quarantine envy
4: neither one of us uh actually none of the three of us were able to go on vacation this year right when you see vacation photos doesn't it make you mad
2: well, no, you know, I suffer. He's better than us, Mike. Wait a sec. Wait, wait, wait. I, I'm going to say this. I suffer a lot of sins. I am a deep and hard sinner. But I, I'm grateful that envy is not often at the top of my list. Hmm.
4: That's good.
2: You know, I mean, I, I think I'm grateful with the hand that I've been dealt. And I think maybe the way out of envy is to put things in focus with I gratitude. Think right. I think you're right. Right. But this is the hand.
4: But I think it would be silly for me not to go back and say that that still makes me mad when people put their vacation photos on Facebook. Yeah.
2: I, but you know, that's their that vacation. It doesn't make me
4: mad. It doesn't make me mad. It makes me envious. That was exactly what you're saying.
2: But when I see that, I don't necessarily see myself in their place. Right. No, I don't either. Right. I mean, no, that's their I don't life.
4: Think, no, that's interesting. So, It's not a matter of switching places with somebody. I think it maybe just exacerbates a dissatisfaction I have with me so right, it's not that right, I, right, I mean right, i've right. never been to ocean city maryland so it's not like i see somebody's ocean city maryland pictures and think oh i wish i was in ocean city maryland because i don't care about ocean city maryland but yeah. somehow it like says to me why weren't you able to figure out your stuff so that your your family could go somewhere
2: oh that there's yeah there's a fault in you you're, you're yes, a loser that's what that's uh-huh. what it is but okay so uh, case in point now when i'm looking at david geffen's 550 million dollar yacht i think wait a second that should be mine. No, right? I don't think that. No, I, don't, I could care less. I mean, good for David Geffen. Obviously, a very right. bright, talented man. He's earned that. So more power to him.
4: Right. But if you were in a circumstance where you had been longing for, let's bring up my, my new screen door I got yesterday. Oh, yeah. Okay. So i very maybe. extremely excited about my screen door that I've been wanting to put in its, in the place for 21 years, right? So what if it was a year ago and I was in a circumstance where I still couldn't afford the new screen door? and I saw David Geffen's yacht. It wouldn't make me want his yacht, but it might make me really, really annoyed that I still wasn't able to get the screen door. you know what I mean?
2: Uh, Yeah, I do know what you mean. Okay, so look, I have told this story multiple times on the air. This goes back to me being a kid and being with my grandfather at the original oyster house in Market Square. I'm standing there at the bar thinking I'm all grown up. I'm probably nine years old. Everyone's got these massive fish sandwiches, which they're famous for. And at the far end of the bar, some guy yells out, hey, my fish sandwich isn't as big as this guy. And he points to somebody, what's up with you? Mm -hmm. And the bartender goes, I'll tell you what's up with me. He runs out from behind the bar. He picks the guy up and literally throws the guy out the door. I mean, that was a good lesson for me. That's
4: a great story.
2: Don't complain. I mean, you are given what's dealt you. I don't believe that, you know, we're being punished or anything for this, right? Envy. Don't envy quarantine envy is a thing.
4: Yeah. Well, that's something at least we can all, ide- well, I don't know if we Eat all can, your fish but I can sandwich. say it right Just now. I it. can identify it. Yeah. Identify with it.
2: Okay. Are you envious of today's show?
4: I am. I envy us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good. Excellent. As so final, what is up on today's as final
4: show? As Tap said so well, in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, one of our most popular guests, Dr. Rick Zimmerman, back with us. He is a COVID-19 researcher who collaborates with the Center for Disease Control, and he will be in to give his, I don't know, weekly, bi-weekly uh, report on what's going on with COVID-19 here in mm-hmm. the western Pennsylvania area. So we look forward to that. Also in the 5 o'clock hour, Jim Belcher. He's the author of the award-winning book, Deep Church. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that work. Um, he's back on the show again today. We're going to talk about polarization, how we got to this place and how dangerous it can be. Also, um, in Berlin, Germany, apparently they're not afraid of singing, John, or at least they're not afraid anymore because their Senate is now allowing choral singing in public. So if you want to hear people sing and you're tired of the COVID-19 uh, restrictions here, then I don't know if you can even get on a uh, I envy
2: that. Germany. I envy those who are singing me? out loud with a full voice. As
4: well. Anyway, coming up next, um, believe it or not, it is the second anniversary of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report on Catholic church clergy sexual abuse Um, I remember the day so well the three of us sat there and watched uh, Pennsylvania's attorney general speak and all those victims up on that stage Um, it was really an amazing day and so we're looking forward to having Kevin Hayes and Gretchen Zezerk with us they're going to talk about what has changed in the last two years and the things that we can be grateful for and the things that we still need to work on that's on the Thursday edition of the ride home we're glad you're here stay close 101.5
5: WORD Turning Point with
0: David Jeremiah
6: Suddenly realized that when Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, He wasn't talking about material poverty. There is no premium in the Word of God on being poor. There is no evidence that there's any value in trying to be as poor as we can be. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, How to Be Happy According to Jesus, next time on Turning
0: Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD.
5: When you're in college, sleep is important. But thanks to your studies and busy schedule, you might not be getting as much rest as you need. That old mattress you've had since you were a kid, though, it's just not cutting it. Upgrade your sleep experience with a locally made, hand built mattress from the Original Mattress Factory. We offer a variety of mattresses, including twin extra long, to suit every comfort preference and to fit every budget. And we deliver right to you. Visit an OMF store near you or go to originalmattress.com to learn more.
7: This is Greg Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Our entire team would like to thank you for the support you have shown us over the last few months. The safety of our customers and employees remains our top priority. We have implemented safety measures in our stores, factories, and throughout the delivery process. We are monitoring the latest guidance from healthcare officials and local governments, and we will adjust our policies and services accordingly. Please visit OriginalMattress.com or give your local store a call to learn more about these measures.
8: Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie.
7: Uncle Tom was amazing.
8: Simply brilliant.
9: Uncle Tom's the finest, most thought-provoking documentary I've ever
8: seen.
10: What an amazing movie.
11: Every American needs to watch your film. It doesn't matter if you're left, right, or center. It's a great movie.
10: It's just absolutely wonderful. An eye-opening
8: masterpiece of the real history of America.
0: I am blown
11: away. Breathtaking. I sat here with tears rolling
7: down my face through most of this movie. Thank you so very, very much for doing this.
8: Uncle Tom is one of the most important documentaries of our time.
10: I highly recommend everyone get it. I wish I could figure out a way to get everybody to watch it.
0: Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off.
9: I think that you may save America with this movie.
0: UncleTom.com.
9: Planning a
4: vacation can be a lot of fun, but preparing for retirement? Not so much. It's confusing. That's where Kevin Bach can help, showing you how to generate retirement income, how to choose a good Social Security claiming strategy, and how to help minimize your tax obligations. Call Kevin at 724-837-3553.
5: Kevin Bach is not affiliated with the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. Insurance and annuities offer through Kevin Bach, PA Insurance License Number 352896.
2: Tomorrow will be the second anniversary of the release of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report on Catholic Church clergy sexual abuse. When that uh, report was released, it sent uh, shockwaves throughout western Pennsylvania, and as well as it should, because many of the details and the stories were heartbreaking and heinous. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, there has been um, an organization, uh, Catholics for Change in Our Church, that was formed to work with the diocese, to connect with the diocese, to look for some way that there would be a new growth of Catholic change in the church. So with us right now is the president of Catholics for Change in Our Church, Uh, Kevin Hayes is with us. Kevin is the president of Catholics for Change, also president of the Hayes Design Group. They're an architectural group. And Gretchen Jerzyk. Gretchen is vice president of Catholics for Change. She's also VP of marketing for First Insight, Inc. Gretchen and Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us, John and Kathy.
10: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
4: Yeah, we're glad that you set aside some time to be on the program today. Um, As I said before you came on, I remember the day this came out like it was yesterday. I remember Mike and John and I, you know, we were all together in my tiny office watching the attorney general come and give his report and all of the uh, 20 some victims representing the I don't know how many hundreds of victims in the report that were sitting on the stage behind him. Um, I don't know. It it was really shocking. I don't think I've ever been the same. Um, since that day, and certainly my perspective hasn't been the same uh, from uh, from your side, you guys, um, I want you to kind of go back and give our audience a snapshot of what happened. Um, I'm sure they most people haven't followed along with the case as closely as you have or as closely as, as Mike and John and I have. Um, so bring us up to date and tell us how it all started.
9: Sure. So I
11: think the big point is that the shock and anger that you talked about, Kathy, was just throughout all of the Catholics who had not known it to about the extent of abuse uh, in Pennsylvania. You know, many people across the country knew about what happened in Boston, but I think we in Pittsburgh, I can speak for myself, I think in some way we thought that was a unique situation and so did not think of it happening here in Pittsburgh. And with the release of the grand jury report in August of 2018, that just literally, you know, ripped the uh, blinders off and you realize this was, you know, evident across the state and all dioceses and really across the country and the world. Um, And so it just was shocking. Um, People were angry. Um, You know, it was hard to believe, you know, and Pittsburgh's a small town as we all know. And, you know, just about every Catholic knew somebody uh you know, one of the priests or more than one of the priests that was involved um, in the abuse. So Kevin,
2: go back and, and talk to us about the numbers of victims that were detailed in the report. And how how far back did the um, did the report go back?
11: It went back about seventy years. There were over nine hundred uh cases that came out um, and those were in six dioceses um and they did not include the diocese of Johnstown because that had its own separate investigation nor did it include the largest diocese in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, because that also had had its own investigation. So there were many, many more than the 900. Um, and of those, um, about 130, I believe, uh, were in the Pittsburgh diocese, um, uh, and, and maybe more than that. Um, and, um, and, again, it was just, you know, and not only were the numbers shocking, but just the heinous. Ways that children were abused by priests was just uh, really hard to believe and actually hard to read, um, and um, and so, you know, the reaction of Catholics were you know many people left the church um, because they had had enough they they had had issues for many years and chose to leave. There there, there was a group of people who were staunch supporters uh, of the church and they kind of just you know said hey we we got to stand behind the institution of the church and then I think there was a third group which most of the members of CCOC were in where we were shocked and horrified but we and we cared about the church and we wanted to stay within it but we saw the need to have change and we wanted to demand those changes um, and, and the other thing we wanted to do was stand with the abuse victims uh, and the survivors and their families uh, and, and give them an opportunity to amplify their voices and encourage their healing. Um, The other thing that happened was, again, uh, you know, Bishop Zubik um, and his central administration staff, you know, they did hear the pain and anger from the victims and lay people. Um, Bishop Zubik, to his credit, had four listening sessions uh, in the fall of 2018. He then came out with a a pastoral letter to all Catholics called The Church Healing, in which he outlined what he had heard in those sessions, and they were very grueling. I went to all four of them, and um, he also said, these are some of the things that we need to do. And he outlined some changes. Um, And and that's, you know, what's what's been going on in the last year. And and, and that's, you know, some things did happen and other things did not happen.
4: Kevin Hayes is with us. He's president of Catholics for Change in Our Church. Also with us is Gretchen Jezirk. Did I say that correctly, Gretchen?
10: You did.
4: Yay. All right, Gretchen. Well, we're going to go to you next. I'm so excited that I spoke the name correctly. Um, now you can tell us about the things that you've seen in the last two years that have given you reason for optimism.
10: Yes, there are definitely some steps in, in the right kinds of directions. Um, so, for example, we speak about the, the role of, of women in the church, and there have definitely been women appointed in, in key leadership roles across the diocesan structure and, and in parishes. Okay. And um, we've also seen lay people who have been appointed to new commissions or additional additional people added. So that's the, the healing, the church healing commission as well as the diocesan finance commission. So, you know, that, that has been a step in the right direction as well. And then some programs were kicked off that were meant to support the um, victims of abuse and their families and their parishes, because those kinds of things have um, a big ripple effect. And also um, programs that were meant to um, help to develop a strategic plan for um, the diocese that was called Future Search. Now, um, one of the challenges is that um, those last two programs that I mentioned have since been discontinued um, apparently due to lack of resources.
4: Okay, so that's an, that's another problem that, you know, I'm not going to ask you guys to comment on the financial solubility of the Pittsburgh Diocese, but we know that they've paid out millions of dollars um, in, in, you know, an attempt to recompense victims. Um, Kevin, talk about where we are as far as things that still need to happen.
11: Yeah, I think one of the things that still needs to happen is a recognition that many of the victims and survivors in their families have not experienced the healing that they need. Um, There's been an acknowledgement that they've suffered a lot of pain, both in the original abuse, which as I mentioned earlier, many of them were heinous. Um, But in the release of the grand jury document, you know, many of the victims and the survivors and the families had to relive those occurrences again. Um, And that was painful. And one of the things that we as an organization have really been pained by is that after a certain period of time, um, many people uh, in the parishes, um, many many lay people, many priests, uh, and also um, in central administration of the diocese um, began to say, well, you know, it's time to move on. And one of the things that has uh, been difficult for us is the fact that we think that the victims uh, and survivors and their families are the ones who are the ones to say it's time to move on. And until they feel like there's been healing, uh, that you can't move forward. Um, And one of the things that's still bothering um, the victims and survivors and their families is that they don't feel like there's been a real – acknowledgement of the sacred trust um, that was broken when the abuse first occurred, and then also that the hierarchy of the church hasn't acknowledged the concealment of the abuse for many, many years.
2: Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, Whenever the report first became public, uh, I was surprised, although um, he did sort of redouble his efforts. I was surprised by Bishop Zubik's initial response, which in many ways was just a a statement that felt very loyal, like a lawyer had put this boilerplate uh, response together, and it it left me cold. Now, I I do appreciate that uh, since that time, the bishop has done the four listening sessions you talked about. I I do believe he is a man of good Christian faith and uh, a solid conscience. I think he's really tried to work hard to, uh, to build these bridges. But but I do know that there was a, the, one of the early responses was, well, that was then, and this is now, and there was a line in the sand sort of drawn. The controls have been put in place, and that's not going to happen again. And of course, when you would read the Grand Jury report, you would see the priest who had gone through you know these grooming sessions with a, a lot of these children, and drew these children closer. They were allowed to spend weekends alone and one-on-one time, which seemed you know sort of outrageous. But of course a different place, in a different time. So Gretchen, can you talk about that, about those controls that have been put in place? Because clearly, I mean, the church has lots to lose. They've already lost tremendous amounts of money, prestige, spiritual health, and all that. So what what's had taken place since that time that allowed people to be in the church and think that what well, I am in a safe place and I trust my priest to do the right thing?
10: There have definitely been a very appropriate and robust controls put in place. Um, okay. Protecting God's Children program is is very very well thought out. I mean, if I'm if I'm going to point to you know one thing or one of, of the things that has been done well, it it would be these programs that are now put in place. And um, I I do believe that you know there is a mentality of shared accountability here for watching out for anything that that doesn't look right you know listen to your spidey sense kind of a thing but also very robust screening um, also screening of seminarians as they're as they're entering the priesthood so that that part of it does seem um, like it has been put in place extremely well I would agree with what Kevin has been saying though that um, there's definitely more to be done to continue the healing for and with um, the victims of abuse, you know, who, who weren't so lucky that those controls were not in place. And in fact, there was concealment happening of, of what was going on. That's interesting.
4: Kevin so, Hayes and Gretchen Jezik are with us, Catholics for Change in Our Church.
2: So, so go back, uh, Kevin, talk about this, because there was a lot of conversation about seminarians coming into the fold, and it attracted a certain type of person. Um, what about that, and what things have been done to screen those people psychologically, spiritually?
11: Yes. Well, again, probably the diocese would be better to ask, you know, the particular details. But uh, with a view from the pew that I can provide, um, you know, part of it was that the the hierarchy of the church and priests were controlling the seminarian formation process, and so the clericalism uh, that's embedded into the structure of our church, Uh, and by clericalism I mean Mm -hmm. a system whereby the clergy or the clerics are thought to be uh, a better version of a person than everybody else who belongs to the organization.
2: Somehow Um, holier, somehow a more direct contact with God.
11: That's right. And, and so, you know, it's, it's the priest's way or the highway, as many Catholics would say. Um, and so the, the issue with the seminary formation is that needs to be looked at because clearly there were problems with it for many years. And part of it has to be that if you're taking young men and you're isolating them in a seminary and they're just with each other and they're with mostly other priests, um, how is their psychological and psychological sexual development going to be um, within that system, where, again, celibacy is also an important part. And, you know, I think that what has not occurred enough has been seminarians interacting, you know, with a wide variety of people, including laity, through their formation, hmm. and particularly women in their formation. Um, and so that whole process uh, really does need to be reviewed top down and with independent laity involved in developing improvements to it.
4: We need to step aside. We're talking about Catholics for Change in Our Church with Kevin Hayes and Gretchen Jezirk. We'll be right back on the ride home with Johnny Kathy.
7: How do you keep a biblical perspective in a pandemic accompanied by a mental health crisis? As COVID-19 has spread, prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications have nearly doubled. Yet in a world consumed by worry, God has a purpose for anxiety. And that's the subject of a timely new book, The End of Anxiety, The Biblical Prescription for Overcoming Fear, Worry, and Panic. Written by pastor and biblical counselor Josh Weidman, it offers his personal prescription. With practical steps and biblical answers for coping with stress and deepening trust, Trust and dependence on God. The End of Anxiety can help you find peace and joy in times of uncertainty, fear, and darkness. Our main goal as Christians is to glorify God in everything we do. And as the author opens his life and personal journey in this book, he shows how suffering, anxiety, and our mental battles can bring God the glory. The End of Anxiety, the biblical prescription for overcoming fear, worry, and panic. Available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Learn more at endofanxiety.com. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define
0: you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Coming down the home stretch is Liberty Mutual, followed by Customizes your car insurance. But wait, from the back comes so you only pay for what you need. So it's Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. And I'm pretty sure this is just an elaborate insurance ad. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty,
10: Liberty.
0: WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. You can help Help slow the spread of the coronavirus in Pennsylvania by practicing these six steps. 1. Wash your hands often. 2. Cover your coughs and sneezes. 3. Don't touch your eyes, nose, or mouth. 4. Clean surfaces frequently. 5. Avoid other people who are sick. 6. Stay home and avoid crowds. Visit health.pa.gov for the most up to date and reliable information on COVID 19.
5: This is Kathy
4: Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride
5: home. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, In and on Radio.com, 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh.
12: Tonight. Partly cloudy and humid with a low 70. Tomorrow, clouds and sun with a shower, thunderstorm, and spots in the afternoon with a high 86. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy with a low 66. Saturday, times of clouds and sun with a shower, thunderstorm, and spots and a high of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. <music>
4: It. today, it's the second anniversary of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report on Catholic Church clergy sexual abuse. We've got two guests on the air with us, Kevin Hayes and Gretchen Zezerk. They're both from Catholics for Change in Our Church. Hmm.
2: Let's talk about this, uh, Gretchen and Kevin, and, and you can both answer this because obviously you'll have a different perspective. But as damaging, as inflammatory, as brutal as the report was, uh, you know, you you know, uh, what it's like to show up every week and be part of a faith community. And at the core of that faith community is that deep relationship that you have with those who are ministering to you. And if that that relationship has somehow been gutted, the lack of trust within that community, I wonder now about your willingness to show up and your trust of those who are trying to shepherd you. Can you talk about that, Gretchen, your trust of the people that are in place and what's transpired in these two years to either equip and encourage and engage that trust or somehow to have it be a little feeble and an unwillingness to engage deeper?
10: I'm glad you asked about that. So clearly, uh, there there was a very significant, uh, almost unthinkable breach of trust. Um. Most of us in CCOC really view the church not just as certain individuals who happen to be running it or in certain roles right now, but but as a, a much bigger and deeper entity than that. You know, that's been around for 2,000 years, going back to Christ Himself. And so we really took this as as an impetus and a wake up call because. The clericalism that Kevin mentioned earlier, this, this sort of two-class system, um, was not only the doing and and making of the clergy, it was also um, the doing of the laity in the sense of our being complicit in that, um, you know, being in the pews and, and expecting to be given direction and take direction and, you know, be the sheep, right? Right. And um, so, you know, what many of us really took as a reaction was, wow, you know, it's time for us to step up because clearly this self-policing model, this, you know, the clerical model of just being told what to do, where to go when uh, was was really not sufficient and not what we are called to do. The the laity are called very clearly to be co-responsible to not view it as a spectator sport, but to be rolling up our sleeves, getting in there and being part of the work of the church. And so, you know, that was honestly for many of us, the reaction, it, it's our church that we love and we, we're we not going anywhere else. We're going to stay and work to to make it better and stronger.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, last question for you both. And I'm going to throw this first to Kevin. Uh, I mentioned earlier in our uh conversation today that the the second anniversary that we're talking about today when the Pennsylvania grand jury report came out I I remember it so clearly and and I said and I meant this that I don't think I've ever been the same since that day since I um, since I heard what the attorney general said since I looked at the faces of those victims and since I read that you know 900 page report that it took me what four or five days to get through Um, and it's not even my church so my question for you both is, it is your church. Your grief must have been much deeper than mine. Um, and so I guess uh, I want to know how you're doing now. What, how? What's your What's your faith journey been like? Um, how are you different today than you were the day before you heard about all of that two years ago?
11: Sure. A very good question, and thanks for asking it. I would answer that. My faith is stronger today than it was 2 years ago
4: hmm.
11: and my relationship to Christ is deeper um, than it was 2 years ago.
4: And why for is me, that?
11: Church, yeah, yeah, for me church is fairly simple. I I belong to church because I want to get in touch with an unconditional love of God. Uh you know, with other people and I want to learn how I can share that love with those who need it. And so, when I saw how broken both the victims and survivors and their families had been, because I had not really realized it. Again, how extensive the abuse was, and then how many ripples it it has in a in a in a family, um, and also how those victims felt ostracized by a church that was supposed to help them feel loved. You know, it just broke me terribly, um, and for me, the reaction was anger, um, and it. but it was also a fierce determination that I want to make the church I belong to better. I want it to be there for people who need God's love, and our church right now, in many ways, was not providing that to too many of its members. Um, And for me, it's a a matter of where can we find the authority of compassion, which I think is central to Christ's mission, um, and use that authority to lead us forward. And that's one of the reasons why we put together a progress report on this second anniversary, because we we do believe there are things that can be done.
2: Excellent. Kevin Hayes? Yeah. Gretchen, you go ahead, sure
10: yes, um I would just like to echo you know what Kevin said around the the strengthening of faith that's happened also for me and I believe many of us who are involved um I actually had a a grade school classmate who um, was a victim and subsequently took his own life um so this certainly hit quite home for me and many um but the the energy that has come from that positive energy um of really building our own personal faith, but then also helping to build uh, a stronger church has just been very, very positive to see. And, you know, that's what we're trying to carry forward and, and make happen, you know, and create God's kingdom on earth.
2: Excellent. So if people want to read the, um, the update and uh, the response after these two years, uh, there, this is available for the public, is it not, Kevin?
11: Yes, it is. Um, it will be available tomorrow morning. Uh, which August 14th is the second anniversary of the release of the grand jury report. And our website is www.ccoc-pgh.org. And Very we nice. in, and I would encourage people to go and read that. And if you want to uh, continue to hear from us, uh, you can sign up on our website to uh, get periodic updates from CCOC.
8: Outstanding. That's Kevin, Kevin Hayes. Hayes.
2: Christine Jezak.
4: No, Gretchen <laughs> Jezak. Sorry. <laughs> Catholics for change in our church. Thanks, you My guys.
2: apologies. Thanks, Gretchen. Thanks so much for Thank having you. us. Our pleasure. God's blessing to you. Boy, that's brutal. We'll take a break. Come back. We've got much more ahead. We're just getting underway. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM.
5: W.O.R.D.
0: On the next Focus on the Family, Emily Coulson describes the heartaches and joys of raising her son, Max, who has severe autism. Emily has struggled as a single mom, but she also has discovered God's beauty and design in Max. Don't miss this powerful, profound pro-life message next time on
2: Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Hi, this is John Hall. Telling you how much I love my pillow and how it's really changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. It's truly amazing. I don't know if I love my pillow or the My Pillow mattress topper more. Get a My Pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. It comes with a 10 year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. It is made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money-back guarantee, MyPillow.com. Save 30%, use promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954 when you do. Mike will give you two standard MyPillows for free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling 800-391-0954. Seriously. Get the best night's sleep of your life. It's all about MyPillow, 800-391-0954. For the
5: best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
0: Traveling internationally may not have been a priority for you in recent weeks. But as our country and others around the world start to reopen, we're confident it will be safe to travel to the Holy Land this December. Israel has already reopened to the public while maintaining safe social distancing. In fact, an independent organization recently rated Israel as the number one country on its COVID-19 safety ranking. There is no better time than now to sign up to join Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Mike Lindell from MyPillow on the Stand with Israel tour this December 2nd through 11th. Visit SebGorka.com and click the Israel banner to register. Seize the moment to celebrate life, freedom, and your faith by signing up to visit the inspiring Holy Land. Here's the best part. If for any reason you can't go, cancel without a penalty between now and August 14th. Reserve your spot today and travel to Israel this December with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Mike Lindell. Visit SebGorka.com and click the Israel banner
6: trip to Europe, visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums, go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Knodek and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group investment advisory services offered through asg investment management llc
2: well so deep into the pandemic i think for most people um i'll raise my hand i have not bought a single item of clothing nothing since probably february which has been fine but because of that Uh, apparel companies from elite fashion houses to mass market chains are now saddled with an inventory glut following those month long closures during the pandemic. Kath, have you bought any clothes? Yes. Did you go in stores?
4: Mm, No, I haven't been in a store. No, I just have purchased things online.
2: I see. All right. Well, think about this inventory, right? Because, you know, February is coming into place. Spring clothes are on their way. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden things shut down. Now, this article I'm reading, uh, it's from the Wall Street Journal. What happens to all of the unsold clothes? And uh, Matthew Dalton is the author of the article. He says this, that some fashion companies have for years quietly destroyed unsold goods rather than allow them to be sold at a discount. But the practice is drawing increased scrutiny from environmental groups, shoppers, and governments forcing brands to find new ways to move clothes, shoes, and other products that have been piling up in inventory. Now uh, in the United States, brands and retailers locked out of that entire fashion season are flooding charities with unsold products. Mm-hmm. In addition to sending goods to discount stores, uh, an organization called good Three Hundred and Sixty, It's a nonprofit that collects excess merchandise distributed, distributes all that to charities has received quote, tens of millions of dollars worth of apparel donations oh gosh, during the crisis wow. it expects more than 660 million donations this year uh double from what they received last year wow so brands don't want their unsold products winding up in flea markets or on craigslist and so this uh good 360 provides the insur the assurance that they won't now um the french of course the french uh louis vuitton Uh, Dior, dozens of other brands, they uh, have already had a uh, $400 million write-down on their inventories. And uh, Gap has donated more than $60 million in unsold apparel that came after a $300 million markdown. So a lot of these clothing, a lot of these clothes are going to make their way around the world. I mean, you know how this is. You know, we've kind of joked about this. The loser of the Super Bowl, you know, has already apparel printed up. Claiming that they are the victors of the Super Bowl, so they're not going to use that. It goes somewhere, you know, into Africa or somewhere in the far corners of the world, and someone's wearing that sure. now. But can you imagine someone, you know, in Zimbabwe or Ethiopia wearing a Louis Vuitton jacket? Good for them. Found their way, fabulous. For, I, yeah. hope it,
4: I hope it fits them well and they enjoy it. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing, isn't it? I mean, it's a very um, weird business. Yeah, I. I've purchased clothes because, um, well, first of all, up until recently, um, we've been on the air every day. And so I've been, you know, on Facebook live streaming. So I've been trying to, you know, look presentable. Um, But second of all, I have two daughters, John, which is what you don't
2: have. Right.
4: And girls, they're, you know, it's funny. They're not, nobody, at least nobody in my house or nobody that I know is buying dress clothes. But people are all of a sudden are like, I don't have enough shorts because usually they're used to going to work, right? When they're not wearing shorts during the day. Right. And now they have to real, realize, no, well, no, I need shorts all the, you know, I need to wear shorts every day. I don't have the right clothes for this. Whole okay.
2: Thing. So warranty. I'm curious about that. So when you were shopping online, did you look at, you know, the brand of your old shorts and go, I'm just going to replicate that because I know uh, it fits me.
4: Yeah. Well, we talked about that since none, since my daughters and I haven't been in a store since this whole thing started, we thought, okay, so if we need to buy clothes, let's buy clothes from the retailers with which we're familiar. So we know that if yeah. that's my size, I know that's going to be my size as opposed to going to a whole other retailer and saying, well, I don't know if I'm a, you know, a, a two or a four, like what am I going to do? Or, you know, a 10 or a 12 or whatever it is. Right. Um, so I, I think that probably brand familiarity has helped certain places i you know sure. more um i don't think people are probably being very adventurous in their clothes shopping
2: right probably now. not no and also I, I would imagine you know the pandemic weight gain uh, right. which you know that's Have happened you I, I went to the doctor's office the other day i gained two pounds
4: oh big deal mike did you gain any weight no no yeah. no
2: gaining weight for me Here's, here's what happened to me. I went to the doctor the other day. You know, I haven't seen my doctor for a while. They weigh you and then they look at your height. I lost an inch and gained two pounds.
5: Wow.
4: <laughs> Boy, it has, the whole thing has stunted him, Mike.
2: I'm shrinking. So eventually
13: I'm shrinking. you're going to turn into a
2: beach ball. <laughs>
4: <laughs> my 15 years from now, you're just going to be rolling around.
2: Very short <laughs> and very fat, but hopefully very happy. <laughs>
4: I'll tell you our best to people who work in retail right now.
2: Oh my goodness. I mean,
4: my heart goes out to you as, as with people who work in restaurants, you know, my husband's a musician, you know, he hasn't had, he's had two gigs since March, um, fortunately he has a day job so it's not the only thing he's relying on but i have tons of friends who are professional musicians that's their whole thing
2: yeah yeah their
4: their career has completely dried up upside down we were actually inside a restaurant what last last weekend it was the first time i'd been in a restaurant since you and mike and i were in uh bacon in carnegie which i think was at the end of february
2: holy smokes
4: it's the last time i'd been in a restaurant But those people were so wonderful in this place. They were so happy to have people there. Yeah. And they thanked us for coming out like four different times.
2: Now, you went inside. Now, I've eaten in one restaurant since this has begun, but I didn't eat inside. I ate outside. And we went to a place in Ligonier while we were on vacation last week. We pull up, and there's like a table on the sidewalk. And I thought, oh, great. So I sat down, and somebody came out and said, hey, you you can't sit there. Please stand up. Because if you're going to take that table, I have to get a bucket and a sponge and wipe everything down, which they proceeded to do.
4: Everything, and then, such you know, yeah, everything. Sure was
2: is such a pain. Yeah, sure was. So...
4: Well, the place we went to, John, you could pick outside or inside or first available. And based on our hunger level, we did first available. So the first one that came up was inside. And I was, as we were walking in, we were both like, Mm. what do we think? Listen, when we went inside, Mm. they had it so well done. We were nowhere close to anybody. And so we were really happy with that. But the hardship is looking at the restaurant and thinking once it gets cold out, what this happens? is not a sustainable model no, you know there not. were like six six tables out of 40 in a room
2: right and then I mean, you see just... well, restaurants with like you know little pop-up tents outside right where they're trying to you know bring people and spread them around as well, that way as well
4: uh, I, my heart goes out to oh you. boy
2: yeah tip your server well please yep. would you not all right let's take a break um we come back we're going to talk about singing
4: yeah, we're gonna talk about singing. You know, there's all this concern. Sing Do we out. sing in church? I guess we shouldn't sing in church, it's too dangerous. Well, people aren't singing. In church. Well, in Berlin, Germany, they're like, Heck, we're singing out in public. Let's talk about all it. Right.
6: or have other health issues, call Term Provider at 800-555-2085
0: or visit TermProvider.com, TermProvider.com. For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled across the globe in search of patterns of evidence to support some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now, with the Red Sea Miracle Part 2 Journey to Egypt and Beyond, as Tim interviews some of the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. Is there evidence of how and where the host of Israelites could have traveled as recorded in the Bible? Is there evidence of the Egyptian army's demise in the Red Sea? If you've seen the first part of this investigation of the Red Sea Miracle, you won't want to miss the continuation. The results of his pursuits are faith affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle, Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. That's SalemNow.com, promo code Pittsburgh. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. Help at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, can provide a warm, family-like environment with a help at home caregiver. Or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call Help at Home at 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950.
8: Connecting you with new customers.
4: When I was in uh, Europe last summer, one of the things that was such a shock to me and just a real treat is the fact that um, I was only in two countries there but in both countries, particularly Germany, man, did they love their live music.
7: Oh, no and, kidding.
4: Yeah. And do they love especially live choral music? Oh, uh, you know, we would, um, you know, I was there with the, the Pittsburgh girls choir as a chaperone and we're used to, you know, the girls doing concerts here in Pittsburgh and, you know, we get a nice crowd. Sure. Um, but I'm telling you, they sang in Germany and we had like packed, Halls. No kidding. People in Germany love choral music. They have such a long, fine lineage. Oh, that's of it so cool there. And it's just in their heart. It's in their soul. It was really, really a wonderful experience to see. And so when I saw the news story today, that the Berlin Senate had voted in favor of allowing live choral music again, I thought, well, if it's ever, if it's going to be allowed anywhere in the world, it's going to be allowed there.
2: Very nice. This is a story from OperaWire.com, which is a Your website. We follow website. closely. We mm-hmm. do the the. The Senate of the city of Berlin has announced a decision to allow choral singing in closed spaces to resume under very strict and precise regulations. In order to provide a safe environment uh, for choral singing, there's a set of measures under the guidance collective singing must not last longer than 60 minutes per rehearsal or performance. Detailed ventilation rules have also been explained, which include a regular servicing of the existing ventilation system. HEPA filters must also be used in the case, which will have to be changed on a regular basis. Ventilation must start at least 45 minutes before the rehearsal. Uh, audiences must wear face, face, mouth, and facial coverings at all times. I mean, I was a, must wear mouth and facial coverings Wait, at that, all times.
4: You said the audience has to, but yes. the, not the performers. Exactly. Okay.
2: Um, a minimum distance of two meters. Two meters must be observed between all singers at all times and in all directions. The distance between the choir and the audience must be at least four meters. Okay. I wonder what Rick Zimmerman will say about I that. I don't
4: know, but I'm going to ask him.
2: Mm-hmm. Dr.
4: Rick Zimmerman, our uh, local COVID authority is coming up in the five o'clock hour. He'll be in at around uh, 535. Any questions that you might have, you can fire to us at uh, our... what? No, I, we can't do our no. email right now. Our email's down.
2: Everything's um,
4: down. Okay, we can't we can't don't, take any of your questions right now, so forget about we're gonna it. We're going to
2: ask all the questions. <laughs> Every <laughs> last question is coming from you and me. That's, that's how it works. All right. I mean... <laughs> I miss singing. Don't you miss singing? Uh,
4: of church? course. Yeah.
2: I do. I really do. So I mean, even churches, you know, I haven't been to church and our church is open now, but um, I know that no one's singing in our church. I wonder if anybody's singing in any church, right?
4: There are people singing. All right. I've heard from them.
5: On your radio at 101.5 WORD FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, tune in, and at radio.com.
1: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is calling it a new era in Israel's relations with the Arab world, as full diplomatic ties will be established with the United Arab Emirates. President Trump tweeted the announcement today. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in Slovenia to make the case for high-speed wireless networks that bar Chinese companies like Huawei. Pompeo has signed a joint declaration to 5G Clean and Security Network that aims to keep untrusted vendors out. The FBI joining Lebanese and other international investigators in the probe of the August 4th explosion at Beirut's port that killed more than 170 people and injured thousands. On Wall Street, stocks were mixed. The Dow dropped 80 points today. The NASDAQ gained 30. The S&P was down 7. This is SRN News.
8: Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Fantastic. Absolutely
9: wonderful. Excellent.
8: Breathtaking. A movie that is changing hearts and minds.
9: I really feel inspired. We're going to put up statues because of what this film may do.
8: An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America.
9: They
3: want to cover up. History. I didn't study that kind of stuff when I was in history.
5: They are actively learning their
8: history wrong. Why have you hidden this for me? Starring Larry Elder.
3: And Uncle Tom is somebody who
7: has sold out by embracing the white man. Candace Owens. I'm a
5: black female. I should be at the top of the progressive stack.
8: Brandon Taylor. They believe that I want to be accepted in the white community. Kind of like the house Negro back in slavery. And Herman King. As my late grandfathers used to say, I does not care. Yeah. These are the
0: voices of the movie Uncle Tom. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off.
4: I was a little bit surprised but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. At Stock Family
0: Dentistry, exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care.
4: They were just as eager or more eager than we were. I think that goes back to considering them part of our family. I think they feel a part of our family, and their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us.
0: Stock Family Dentistry on Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com.
3: Can an evening of inspiration and music really save the lives of families in the Caribbean and Latin America?
5: Experts report that starvation might soon become famine in many of the communities where access to food has been cut off.
3: Join Food for the Poor Thursday, August 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern for a virtual national celebration. We are one. You'll experience the power of unity to save the lives of families impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic.
5: RSVP today for this free event at FoodForThePoor.com. Forward slash one. com forward slash O N E.
12: Tonight, partly cloudy and humid with a low 70. Tomorrow, clouds and sun with a shower, thunderstorm and spots in the afternoon with a high 86. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy with a low 66. Saturday, times of clouds and sun with a shower, thunderstorm and spots, and a high of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick.
2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. It looks like the rain's about to come in here across western Pennsylvania. We certainly need some, do we not? I'll take it. Yeah, Cal, okay. good to see you. Uh, five o'clock hour of the Thursday edition. I, I saw something the other day about uh, being kind. Now, <laughs> of course, you know, if you were raised by parents who who are had kindness in the middle, you you learn those lessons, right? And, and certainly it's it's a skill set that can be learned, being kind. Um, but I think a lot of people kind of go, uh, I don't have a whole heck of a lot to offer, which made me think about the story that I read. Uh, there's a woman, uh, her name is... Um, Evelyn Glynn and uh, her husband passed away at the age of 66. And of course she was uh, depressed for a a long time, but then someone said to her, Hey, I'm going to go donate blood. Why don't you come with me? And so she did. And she said, you know, after the experience was over, she thought, you know what? I still have something to give. Mm -hmm. I'm of use to someone and it turned her situation around just that simple act of altruistic giving. So um, in this piece, why being kind helps you, too, especially now. They say this. The, the article is written by Elizabeth Berenstein. She says, it's a good thing to make another person feel good, but being kind, doing something to help someone else, can help you, too. Researchers link kindness to a wealth of physical and emotional benefits. Studies showed that when people are kind, they have lower levels of stress, their fight-or-flight response calms down, They're less depressed, they're less lonely, and they are happier. They have better cardiovascular health and live longer. They may be physically stronger. They're more popular and a soon-to-be-published study found that they may be even considered better looking. What? All comes from being nice. So being kind in this era of COVID-19, I think has become easier for some people, harder for Mm -hmm. a little other group of people, psychologists say this about kindness that uh, there are two kinds of kindness um reciprocal you help someone because it will benefit you in some way like you know giving money to get a tax break you know from a charity and pure kindness you have no expectation of a reward and humans have evolved to do both We're not the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest animal in the kingdom. So we needed to band together to survive. And the key to their success, our success, they say, is not the survival of the fittest, uh, but the survival of the friendliest. We talked about this a little Mm. bit last week. So kindness, Kath. um, What can you do to be kinder? I get, tell a, me, I get a list. Tell me,
4: tell me where this article is that so you're reading from.
2: Oh, yeah. It's a, in today's Wall Street Journal. Why yeah. being kind helps you too, especially now.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely believe this. Okay. Yeah. Give me your list.
2: Want to be kinder? Here's how make a habit. Earmark time in your schedule to help someone else. Of course, volunteer, be part of your church, donate, call a friend, bake for a neighbor, lower the bar. Kindness is not that big of a deal. Practice being kind each time that you go out. Smile at people. Say hello. Text a friend who is struggling. Take out a neighbor's garbage. It can only take a minute. Cost nothing to change someone's day. Be kind to yourself. If you try to be kind to others while being cruel to yourself, you will burn out. Hmm. Make small talk. In a time of isolation, this can brighten someone's day. Saying hello. Just acknowledging another person's common humanity is an act of kindness. Change it up. Research shows that doing a variety of kind acts makes you happier. Remember your loved ones. Kindness is not just for strangers. When you are kind to the people that you live and love with, everyone reports being in a better mood and having more positive emotions. Look for role models of kindness and emulate them. And don't get discouraged. Sometimes other people don't respond in kind when you yourself are kind. This doesn't mean that they did not appreciate your efforts. Remind yourself of another time it went well and keep going. Recall previous acts of kindness because research suggests that remembering past acts of kindness also increases increases your well-being. And teach your children well by modeling always Kind behavior. It's a good it list. is good for everyone.
4: Yeah. Okay. That's a good reminder, John. I appreciate that.
2: Just be kind. Okay. okay. I mean, we live in a jerky world oftentimes. I'm, so, I'm,
4: that mean thing I was going to say to you and Mike, I'm just going to swallow it. Dang,
2: no, no. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Because you'll regret it later. You know <laughs> and you will.
4: I am just, And it's going to make me worse looking, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. There is that. Yeah. Right. That's a little self serving when you're talking yeah. about kindness. I don't really know how right. to factor that in. But that
2: guy's been mean and he's got a lot of zits lately. He's so, really I make turns.
4: Anyway, coming up in the five o'clock hours, John said, we're going to talk about our uh, COVID-19 situation here in Western Pennsylvania with Dr. Rick Zimmerman at 535. And coming up next, Jim Belcher. Uh, Jim is the author of the award-winning book, Deep Church, with which you might be familiar. Jim's going to be back on the program in just a couple minutes to talk about polarization, how we got to this place and how dangerous it is. That's next on The Ride Home.
5: W O R D. It's
0: back to school time, so whether your kids will be back at school wearing masks or you're keeping them at home, one thing will stay the same. So let us help. Enter the back-to-school sweepstakes.
5: You could win $2,500
13: to help pay for school supplies and kids' clothing. Then your school gets an additional $2,500.
0: There are lots of ways to enter. Find out how you
2: and your school could be a winner. Sign up at wordfm.com. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsarouspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. Pittsburgh.com. That's Pittsburgh.com.
6: I'm Dennis Prager. Last year, I co-starred in a movie with Adam Carolla that warned you, my fellow Americans, about the current attack on free speech and free thought. It began in the universities, and I warned you it would be coming to your neighborhood and your workplace. I had no idea how soon. We now have leaders in media, big tech, the law, business, and government who no longer believe in free speech or the principles of freedom and liberty our founders gave us. If you and your family want to understand what is happening in our world and know how you can fight back to protect the people you love, you must watch No Safe Spaces. I promise you, a great movie. I use the word very carefully. Go to nosafespaces.com, learn the truth, so you can defend your family
0: and our country. Go to nosafespaces.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off nosafespaces.com. Promo code Pittsburgh.
10: Liberty Mutual Insurance Company helps you customize your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Unlike things you paid for you didn't need, like the VACnado 2000. A Wi-Fi connected vacuum that uploads Dust Bunny data to the cloud for real-time optimization. (laughs) Whatever that means. But really, it's just a very expensive doggy chew toy. With Liberty Mutual, get customized home insurance so you only pay for what you need.
3: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty,
10: Liberty. Only pay for what you need at libertymutual.com. I
7: didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed.
10: We got back, and of course we went to different cities. One day he called me out of the blue, and it's comforting to know that I always count on him to have my back. We hadn't talked for a while. And then she texted me, and we went for a walk.
8: She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help.
12: I was away from my family during the holidays, and a friend invited me to their house for dinner. It really meant a lot. He knew I was having a rough week,
2: so he asked me to go fishing with him.
4: My friend knew that I didn't want to go out, so
5: she brought me dinner instead. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared to give me some hope. Just that one text... Be there. Your call, your presence, your words, your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at veteranscrisisline.net. Why should
12: young people care about the spread of coronavirus?
0: Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest
12: risk, but they've got to get it from somebody.
4: So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who, Who are most susceptible. Not
1: going to bars,
0: not going to restaurants. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov.
4: Over in the uh, Southside Works, next to the Cheesecake Factory, uh, was REI. I'm not sure if it's still there or not because I haven't shopped anywhere in so long. Um, but isn't was, there one
2: towards Cranberry too as well?
4: There, um, there certainly could be. Um, REI is a really fun store if you're oh, an out, if you're an outdoorsy type of person. Um, I bought a really terrific bike rack there, and not only did I buy it there, but they were just really great about showing me how to set it up and really? everything. Um, And it's a worldwide retailer. And they, about two years ago, started out on a uh, terrific project. Um, They wanted to open a new Seattle area headquarters. They wanted to create a unique building for REI, John, that reflected the company's outdoorsy image and could serve as a way to recruit new employees. I'm reading from the article in the Wall Street Journal by uh, Conrad Putzier. The property features outdoor staircases and bridges, a courtyard of native plants, and skylights to let in sunshine and air. Now, here's the problem. After they finished building it, and it's ready to open, and they're so excited to welcome new employees, the coronavirus pandemic hits, and so REI has decided to sell the building. (laughs) Good luck with that. Now, listen, it's so emblematic of where we are in in the COVID era, right, is that we could have a a two-year In-depth process that involves a ton of cash, a ton of work, a ton of design. Get to the point where it's finally finished, and we say, you know what? Let's just have everybody work at home. Let's forget it.
2: We don't need that. I mean, the pandemic is full of weird surprises, and you know, the real estate thing is just starting to happen. So I can imagine this will not be an unprecedented thing, right? No, the people just abandon their buildings. That's all.
4: No, it's amazing, isn't
2: it? It Truly is.
4: Anyway, all right. Well, we need to take a break. Uh, Jim Belcher's in the on deck circle. We're going to be talking to Jim next about um, how things look right now what happens in polarization how can we make it better and how we can make it worse that's on the thursday edition of the ride home stay close we'll be back.
0: thinking about life insurance Is there evidence of the Egyptian army's demise in the Red Sea? If you've seen the first part of this investigation of the Red Sea Miracle, you won't want to miss the continuation. The results of his pursuits are faith-affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle, Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. That's SalemNow.com promo code pittsburgh
10: first presbyterian church is a beacon of light and love to this community the message that i hear sustains me for the whole week i love this church because of the diversity and the music and the
5: people
8: the incredible beauty of the space a warm welcoming congregation
5: the people are amazing and truly love one another and christ and our pastor preaches the gospel
10: i want everybody in the pittsburgh to come and experience First
0: Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart.
4: I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office, and their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us.
0: Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com.
5: 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word pittsburgh and on your phone via the word fm mobile app iheart tune in and at radio.com
12: tonight partly cloudy and humid with a low 70 tomorrow clouds and sun with a shower thunderstorm and spots in the afternoon of a high 86 tomorrow night partly cloudy with a low 66 Saturday, times of clouds and sun with a shower, thunderstorm and spots and a high of 75. With your Acuba The Forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick.
2: Well, if you're living and you're breathing, you know that we are in a really strange times in this country. I mean, I I don't think I can remember maybe back in 1968, uh, things were as uh, contentious as they are right now. But they are really uh, just deeply polarized, left, right, uh, Republican, Democrat, uh, you name it. uh, There's a wide gulf and it supersedes politics as well. Well, Jim Belcher is back with us again. Uh, Jim was with us on our show years ago. He is the author of the award winning book, Deep Church. Jim is the president of Providence Christian College in Pasadena, California. Here today to talk to us about polarization. Jim, welcome to the show.
13: That's great to be here. I'm I've actually uh, stepped down from Providence and uh, am leading a new institute for the New Vital Center. Mm. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd point that out. And, wow. and it's and it's important for what I'm doing. I feel so strongly that our country is in a difficult spot. So I started writing about a year and a half ago a book uh, on politics to try and explain it to the church and the pastor. So my background is in political philosophy from Georgetown University and. Back in the 90s, I studied under some of the finest political philosophers, and after Trump was elected in 016, I started to see that we were really starting to pull apart as a country, and I was very uh, disturbed by the responses on my Facebook feed and Instagram feeds on how far apart Christians were and how little they understood the categories and how captured they were by the tribes on each side. Um, and I began, I pitched it to University Press and said, I want to write a book to kind of explain what is going on and, and, and kind of wave a flag of emergency and say, if we don't figure this out soon, we, we're going to be in trouble as a nation. And if the church doesn't figure it out, we're going to be, we're going to be in trouble. Um, and so I began writing it, uh, demonstrating how, how, how we lost a vital center from the 1950s, particularly in the 60s, um, and then why the polarization has gotten so bad. And this is before I finished the rough draft before George Floyd was killed. And then obviously all everything broke loose and it, we, we, it, we went into almost chaos. And it appears in places that uh, we're on the we're on the verge of anarchy in some of our cities. And w- yeah. what is going on? And again, I go back to the responses. There's some Christians will are on the left. Think this is great, or they're silent and they just they don't say anything about the looting, the violence, anything. They they just talk about the peaceful protests. There are those on the right that see it a certain way as well. Um, And so we're it's a very chaotic time, and part of it is is that nobody can speak to each other. The people on the left or the right have no categories to understand the other side and no ability to empathize or to understand what what exactly is going on. So we end up just kind of shouting at each other right in the street. Uh, The divide divide just gets wider and wider.
4: Yeah. Okay. Jim, you mentioned that you feel like we in America have lost the vital center. Uh, Talk about what that is and how we
5: lost it.
13: Yeah. So I start the book by saying that some right around 1950 or so, we still had a vital center. We still had two parties that believed in the fundamental decency and importance of our founding. So you could find people in both parties that, that loved Jefferson's All men are created equal in the declaration. You could find people on both sides that loved what Lincoln did in the Civil War. They loved the Constitution they were fighting for. You could still find a vital center. That all broke apart in the 60s and it broke apart mostly because that the vital center by the 1950s had been built on a kind of pragmatism. It was a secular pragmatism. The mainline church had already begun to secularize at that point and so we had stripped the foundation and the grounding. And what I mean by that is we had stripped the natural, what, uh, what philosophers call natural right, what theologians would call natural law, um, what reformed thinkers in the Reformation tradition would have called general revelation that worked alongside divine revelation that had been stripped out by the 50s. And we were kind of running on this pragmatism. Well, when that got pressed and said and, and, and challenged, it fell like a house of cards in the 60s we then had a a, re, a reaction in the 80s with the christian right that pushed back on that but it but it really still didn't understand the the foundations that we needed now we're at a time now where the vital center is completely gone there is no agreement on the fact that that the founders had set something in motion that was correct I mean, you you guys were around this past Fourth of July when, when Hamilton came out. I mean, right. Hamilton comes out and they're immediately trying to cancel it. Well, why is the far left trying to cancel it? Well, because it's filled with the founding fathers who were far from perfect. And so they and and you see this even you see that this the, this lack of understanding in the toppling of statues. They're not just toppling Confederate statues from the from the, you know, the Confederate Old South. They're also t- toppling abolitionist statues, and they're painting on Abraham Lincoln's statue. They have no idea what our what we were founded on, and it's almost a utopian view that we're we're going to destroy whatever was in the past, we're going to cancel it, and we're going to start from scratch. But we know from history around the world, whenever movements attempt this, what they install is ten times worse than what than what came before. And particularly in our country that has had such a stable foundation in the declaration and in the constitution to throw that out and think we're going to create some kind of a, whether it's a socialist utopianism or a libertarian utopianism on the right is absolutely crazy. And, yeah. you know, in in a week after uh, Flo- George Floyd was murdered, people started saying, you don't understand if you. If you get rid of the police, the violence is going to skyrocket. The death rate's going to skyrocket. And they said, no, 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 no. It's different this time. It's going to be different. And everybody pointed back to Baltimore in the riots that happened then. And now we see that it. The murder rate has just gone through the roof in these cities. Right. And people are fleeing the cities now again, and they're going to be worse off than they were before.
2: No doubt. So if you live in Portland or Seattle, I mean, and you're paying taxes and you're a homeowner. That's the last place you want to be. But at the same time, the government, those in charge, the mayors and the governors of the states, they're turning a blind eye or they are in agreement with the protests and the riots. Yeah.
13: Yeah. And it's the question. And I asked this in the book. Why are they doing this? These are their cities. Why are they letting their cities burn? And I think partly they're letting it burn because they're afraid of the far left and they're, they're just afraid of it. Right. It's it, it's it's it, they don't want them coming to their house. They don't want them out front their house. Right. But I also think that by destroying and pushing out the middle class and all the businesses, they strengthen their own hand. They get more federal money eventually. Uh, they, they create more dependency. There's there's less uh, middle class people. And so the poor are dependent even more and more on the, the ruling class. Um, there's a thinker out here named Joel Kotkin, who's at Chapman University. And he says, we've created a new feudalism in California. We have the highest uh, gap between rich and poor. The middle class have left the poor are more dependent on the on the feudal lords than ever mm. before Interesting. and they love it they live behind their gated communities yeah. they control everything and and that's really what they're doing they're hollowing out these cities they don't care about either whether they're black or white a lot of these businesses are black owned and they're never coming back
4: We're talking to Jim Belcher. Jim is from the Institute for the New Vital Center. He's got a new book on polarization that's going to be published by University Press next year. Um, We're talking about issues related to how we ended up where we are. Okay, Jim, so um, you kind of sketched the the breakdown of things in the 1960s and then the resurgence of the Christian right in the 1980s. Um, Talk about that resurgence because I think that resurgence and it's, I don't know, maybe its attitude and even its theological base, to me, kind of set the stage where we are now with a lot of Christians who just are signing on for Trump just because he's a Republican. What do you say?
13: Yeah, so there was a there was clearly a pushback with Reagan and in the Christian right, but it was never really thought through so it was more of a a party and a a kind of a political power pushback. It was they picked a few issues important issues abortion being pro life is a very important issue obviously. Um, but they didn't go further than that and, and reassess where our founding, where our grounding was. In some ways, they were conservatives who then just built back on a pragmatism of individualism. Mm. Um, and so they became the right version of the of the left on when it comes to individualism. And that's not how the vital center needs to work. The vital center is much more than a selfish individualism, right? It, it's, there's a certain obligation that comes with being citizens. It's not how much of the pie can you get, and that 's all that matters i mean i 'm for lower taxes and i'm i 'm for economic freedom, but it 's always economic freedom that 's balanced with a social responsibility that yeah, we all yeah. have to our community um, and in the past, this was called civic republicanism, and we had a very robust understanding of of what that what that looked like and so I think that the pushback was shallow. I think the next the other thing that happened with the Christian right is they align themselves only with one narrow piece of the spectrum, the the, the 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 right, instead of realizing that Christianity had has to belong to the entire vital center, both left and right. So we've politicized Christianity, we've politicized religious freedom. And so the left, anybody on the left, even if they're moderates, and they're just barely left of center, they don't trust Christians anymore, because it looks like we're just using religious freedom to get our needs met and our rights protected, but we don't care about anyone else's rights. And that can't be true because if we do believe in natural right and natural law, we're going to care about all citizens and particularly minorities, which is why our constitution, our constitution was put together really to protect minorities against the majority. Um, and we've, we've, we, we, we have to always be mindful of that or the, major- the minority act gets mad and they do what they're doing now.
2: Right. So in the church, losing in many ways, its esteem and its viability and strength, is there any way the church can recover from that? Because, you know, we're at odds amongst ourselves when you think about, you know, the LGBTQ issues, that's divided congregations and that's divided denominations. And, you know, from the outside looking in, like you say, anybody who's left or moderate looks at the church now and they roll their eyes and they're going, that's not for me, that's a weird club.
13: Yeah, John, yes, I think there is. I mean, part of it comes in understanding both sides. And so I do that in the book. I, lay, I move beyond the political spectrum and I set up a quadrant system that goes into much more detail and shows uh, where, where everybody fits in. So that part of it is just understanding. If you can understand the other side, you re, we tend to react less knee-jerk to it. Um, but then once I've kind of cleared out the extremes on both the left and the right, I, I put forward a vital center that can be shared by people in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Uh, so that the, that the church can regain kind of its moral authority and speak into this in ways that are not completely politicized, um, and so yes, I I'm I'm hopeful. I've had friends read uh, read the book, read the manuscript, and they just they're ready. They've already given up. They just say it's it's too far gone. We're too far separated, right. and there's going to be some sort of a civil war. But. I'm going to, I'm going to keep fighting and trying to persuade as long as we can.
2: So then it's like a, a Rod Dreher perspective where Rod Dreher is saying, you know, uh, we're just going to revert back to ourselves and, you know, be our own sort of smaller enclave and the rest of the world does its own thing.
13: Yeah. So yeah, Rod, Rod does a really good job. I think of critiquing how dire the situation is. Uh, but I wouldn't, I would disagree with the solution. Um, And I would say that, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on the founders project. I'm not ready to give up on, on what we can do as the church, but the church, I make the appeal that the church has to regain a public philosophy. It has to do the hard work, it has to learn the categories, it has to know how to, how to enter into these dialogues. Um, And it it just simply has to do the hard work of study to think through these things and, and have a voice in this conversation.
4: That's Jim Belcher from the Institute for the New Vital Center. He's got a new book coming out on polarization. It's going to be published by University Press sometime next year. Um, Jim, what you're saying, I mean, you know, John and I, Mike, completely behind you um, in this. I feel like the essential element, though, of Christians being able to engage well in the public square at all right now is to recognize what you said earlier, which is that our brothers and sisters are Christians. That's our first family. And our family is not somebody who votes the same way we do. I mean, that might be someone we have a commonality with, but somehow we've inverted those two. And we, Mm -hmm. we seem to, you know, establish this brotherly sisterly feeling towards people who support the same candidate and people who believe in the same Jesus we're like ah you know you guys are on the wrong side
13: yeah that's 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 right i mean tribalism has become our first our first faith really it's it's more important than anything and we've created an us them mentality uh, and some of the, that's being promoted to divide us on purpose. I mean, they, we, this yeah. has been, this has been in our universities, as you guys know, for 30, 40 years, they the oppressor and the oppressed to separate Americans into this instead of rallying around what makes us all Americans. I mean, you can't even talk about patriotism anymore or what, oh. what we used to hold together as Americans. Um, uh, but there is a rich tradition, um, that that pulls us together. You know, my my wife and I have been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack when we go on our walks, and yeah. um, it's really remarkable. One, I know one of the characters, one of the actors that played Washington, uh, said that he had never felt more patriotic when he was doing that, and it's because of the the, the lives that the, these early founders lived on our behalf, uh, gives us a sense of of a real sense of honor and, and hope for who we are, but we've got to, we've just, we have to get that back, but there is, there, we do have the grounding, we do have the authority as Christians uh, that to put a public philosophy together that can pull us back together again. But we have to be willing to say, we're not gonna live in these categories of oppressed and oppressor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not gonna live in the racialized categories that are being set up for us. We're just gonna opt out and we're gonna say, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand with a vital center that is built on what the founders did, natural law, uh, our constitution that has survived for 200 plus years. Um, and we're gonna build back around
4: that. And we've gotta
13: build communities and churches that are willing to do that together and set, the, set a new example
2: outstanding preach it jim and look forward to it
4: yeah jim a couple days ago on our show and our time's almost up but um we had a man named andre sheeran on from the john leland center in arlington virginia he wrote this uh really interesting piece in christianity today about him living in the waning days of the soviet union and mm. um how similar those days were to these days and he said he's living in america now in the in pandemic america and he said to him, it's just like all of that being relived. It's Déjà the fruit. fact that the the moderate center is disappearing, that people are being polarized on both sides, that there's a... There's a deadly pandemic, which is causing people to fear. You know, of course, we know about our own coronavirus. He was talking about HIV AIDS at that point. He was talking about economics instability and people who were used to being able to count on jobs in manufacturing or retail, seeing them disappear. And, and I think his call was similar to what your call is, which is don't be so sure that your society can survive no matter what.
13: That's right. I mean, I think we're I think we're teetering. I think people are crazy. And he also
4: let me break in and say he also wasn't saying the Soviet Union needed to survive either. He wasn't saying what a tragedy it was that the Soviet Union collapsed. He was just saying he was just saying this is what I saw. And I'm just trying to tell you all. Yeah. yeah, And I I
13: think it's what people who want power do. They create division amongst people. They create fear. They 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 do their very best to divide and get people to hate each other because they're easier to control that way. Um, and I think that's the dangerous situation we're in where people are, are you know, not it's for, it's going to go from toppling statues to killing people. And it already has in some cities. Sure. Um, and it doesn't take long for something else to write a spark, uh, light, light a spark that we start that the, a civil war breaks out. So um, I yeah, the, no, nobody promised that our republic would last forever. Um, and I think if we're not we're not careful, we're going to lose it.
2: Well, Jim, thanks enough a lot. Look, we look forward to the release of the book. Uh, any idea when that's going to happen?
13: Yeah, next summer. I wish these. I wish publishing went faster. But yeah,
2: <laughs> you're in there writing x number of words a day. So God bless you for that. Yeah,
13: thanks. Thanks, you guys. Good to be My with pleasure.
2: you. You as well, Jim Belcher Institute for the New Vital Center. Information about Jim, people can find you online, can't they, Jim? That's right. Yep. We'll take a break. Come back. We got more ahead. We're going to talk to um, our epidemiologist, checking in on COVID here in Western Pennsylvania. Stick around for that. It's the ride home with John and Kathy here on word FM.
5: W-O-R-D.
10: And they lived happily ever
8: after. Ever wonder if they did? That's why Family Life Today wants to give you their Take Your Marriage from Good to Great bundle with online marriage videos, audio sessions, and downloads of an e-book, a couple quiz, and a questionnaire. You'll also be entered to win Dinner for Two with Family Life Today's Dave and Ann Wilson and attend a live
0: taping of the program. Sign up to win now at wordfm.com slash
13: marriage.
8: Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie.
13: Uncle Tom
10: was amazing, simply brilliant.
13: Uncle Tom's the finest, most thought-provoking
11: documentary I've ever seen.
10: What an amazing movie.
11: Every American needs to watch your film. It doesn't matter if you're left, right, or center. It's a great movie.
10: It's just absolutely
8: wonderful. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America.
9: I am blown away. Breathtaking. I sat here
7: with tears rolling down my face through most of this movie. Thank you so very, very much for doing this.
8: Uncle Tom is one of the most important documentaries of our time.
10: I highly recommend everyone get it. I wish I could figure out a way to get everybody to watch it.
0: Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off.
9: I think that you may save America with this movie.
8: UncleTom.com.
2: Hi, this is John Hall telling you how much I love my pillow and how it's really changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. It's truly amazing. I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. It comes with a 10 year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. It is made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60 day money back guarantee. MyPillow.com. Save 30%, use promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. When you do, Mike will give you two standard MyPillows for free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling 800-391-0954. Seriously, get the best night's sleep of your life. It's all about MyPillow, 800-391-0954. Five, four.
5: For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
0: This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy & Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law.
2: Dr. Rick Zimmerman is back with this. Dr. Zimmerman is a COVID-19 researcher collaborating with the Center for Disease Control. He clinically tests and treats coronavirus patients, has decades-plus experience as an infectious disease epidemiologist. Rick, Dr. Zimmerman, welcome back. How are you today?
9: All right. Boy, a lot of continues to change in this country with COVID.
4: All right. So tell us, what are the latest
9: developments? Well, obviously, in the county, we are having a decrease in cases, which is great. But other states, um, including some of the Midwest, that's not too far away, are seeing outbreaks in more rural and small town areas. Uh, Many of them linked to social events. And so, be it uh, restaurants or bars or other social gatherings, and so that's really seeming to drive some of the recent uh, phase of the outbreak. Hmm.
2: All right. So then, here we are in Western Pennsylvania, and of course, Governor Wolf has taken a lot of heat for uh, closing a lot of the um, retail and restaurants down. What do you think, Rick? Are we in better shape than most people?
9: I think we can be thankful for a fair amount of that. So I did eat out um, once in the last couple of months. Uh, uh, You know, occasionally we'll have out and bring it to some other place, but to actually eat, and it was an outdoor restaurant where we were probably three yards from the nearest table. Um, The waiters and waitresses all wore masks. We wore masks as did, I think, the rest of the patrons until we were served our food. And I felt very safe out in the open uh, three yards away from anybody else or any other table and actually from other patrons probably four or five yards away. There's new data um, coming out, and I've, I think I've told your listeners that I consider two yards outside as, you know, where large droplets would go. There's new data coming out that's confirmed what I shared previously, that the smaller aerosols could go four. And indeed, the latest information is up to 4.8 yards, almost five yards, if you're inside in a place where there would not be good dispersion. So, if you think about that, not quite five yards, um, and you're in a restaurant um, or bar or other close proximity area uh, where people, you can't eat with a mask on, obviously, are taking their masks off, you are at risk. So, I prefer eating outside uh, or else carry out to my own home. Five
4: yards, that's long.
9: I know. I told you four previously, and now 4.8 is the newest data.
2: I was talking to a friend of mine last week, Rick, and he said, you know, uh, we're all essentially just kind of rolling the dice because, you know, you can't stay in your house forever. So you do have to go out and, you know, you're doing some shopping or like yourself, Kath and myself, and I think Mike as well. You know, I've been to one restaurant in the past few months. So it is kind of like you want to be careful, but at the same time, you want to live your life as well. You sure
9: do. I'm going out to the parks to jog very slow, but I go out. Uh, I do go out to a local outdoor swimming pool and swim, uh, but I try to not congregate real close to people. And of course, if you're swimming laps, you're not exactly congregating with people and such, but it is hard. And I miss the social time, but I know that I have family I need to protect. I know I have patients I need to t- protect. And as the Christian community, we need to protect our brothers and sisters, knowing that some of them are among the weakest that God has a real heart for.
2: Amen to that. Rick, let's turn our attention now to schools, because this is obviously very contentious, not only here locally, but across the country as well, whether it's your local elementary school or your college. What's your take on – let's talk about elementary schools first.
9: Sure. uh, Elementary children can um, contract the virus. Uh, In the Korean study, they didn't seem to transmit it as much, but I'm cautious. That was uh, South Korea. That's a different social – Structure than we live in in America, um, a very you know modern country, but still it's a different country. Um, their older children, um, which would be the next grades up, did transmit even within the households a lot of COVID, and we know that COVID can be found the virus in any age child who's infected. Um, and again, many. I think the majority or at least half of all transmissions are from people who don't know they're infected. And certainly many of those will be in the school year children. So you asked what to do. In fact, I have a family member who's asking this. I think if your tolerance for risk is none, then there is no way not to have children um, congregate, share germs, playgrounds if there are um, uh, touch rails, have great hygiene. You can reduce risk, but you can't eliminate it. If you want to eliminate it, you have to homeschool or cyber school. Um, you can do lots of controls the engineering controls, the organizational controls to reduce risk, um, but you can't eliminate it in an elementary school, nor a middle, nor a high school. And so if you're, it depends on your risk tolerance. And that's the reason my own personal thought is that there has to be a lot of discussions. A child who has a family member who lives with a grandmother whose many health problems may have a different answer than a family that's parents are young and healthy and they're the only child in the house.
4: Okay, Dr. Rick Zimmerman with us, COVID-19 researcher collaborating with the Center for Disease Control, joins us regularly on our show to talk about COVID-19 in the Western Pennsylvania area. Okay, so from schools to churches, Rick, um, let's talk about singing. This is a question that we put out to our listening audience twice over the last week or so, just asking people how they're gathering, what church looks like, how many people are still watching a service at home, how many people are going in. Um Anyway, there's a lot of singing going on. Um not at my church. Um so I'm kind of curious about this discrepancy. How are you how do you view something like singing?
9: Sure, singing it will create aerosols in I've you know we just talked that four yards in uh, you know that can happen indoors up to the 4.8 with the newer research. So if you create aerosols in a poorly ventilated or moderately ventilated space, you will be sharing those with other people. So then that comes with how is the air dispersion in the church? Um, Is that good or is it recirculate contaminated air? Uh, Is it hard to bring in fresh air? It goes to how many people are singing. I'm much more comfortable with a soloist up front on a stage that's five or ten yards from the parishioners in the pews than I am with the whole congregation um, one or two yards apart singing. I I don't know how you cannot spread COVID if you're singing. Um, Masks will reduce it. The better the quality of the mask, the thicker, the tighter the weave, those will all help, especially if the nose is um, covered. Um, And so that will help reduce it, but it's not going to eliminate it. So again, you have this issue of people,
4: risk. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what about people who are, um, who are like not members of a con- <clears throat> excuse me, congregation, but people who are singing up front? What, what's the, what's the safety of singing in
9: a mask? Masks clearly reduce the amount of virus that will be expelled. It won't eliminate it, but it will reduce it substantially. Um, and so the amount well, that would depend on the quality of the mask and the degree of singing and the degree of infection but it does make a difference. Okay. There's a theory sure. that the amount of virus determines that you contract.
4: Yeah, the severity Con- of the illness.
9: Yes. Now that's a theory, but that is plausible it happens with other viruses.
2: Okay. So, Rick, let's uh, let's look forward. We were uh, reading this week about the Russians and um, their introduction of, um, you know, uh, they said, well, we've got got something that's going to, you know, the vaccine cure is here. Uh, What's your take on this? And what about where we are here in the United States?
9: Well, we have lots of vaccines. And I've been in the vaccine business long enough to know that, Uh, The majority in the old days of vaccines probably failed before getting to market. And so we are pushing along. We have better technology. We have better analytics to help us guess which ones will be effective. Uh, But we don't know until we actually test it. And so I, I think it's a bold move to Uh, We use so many billion dollars of purchases from several different manufacturers. If we're gonna control things quickly, that boldness will be needed. But I suspect one or two of these vaccines that are going forward won't be as good as we hope for. And there may be one of the five or so that's in operation warp speed that will be a home run. Uh, But we don't know which one of those is. And until we test it, it's a guess. Right. Educated. Rick, do but we have, do we
4: have any um, any knowledge yet of how long a vaccine would be effective? Are we talking like a flu vaccine that might be effective for nine months or twelve months, or are we talking a measles vaccine?
9: We don't know. My guess, um, which you know, this, at this point it's a guess, is that these vaccines will have moderate durations of infection. I could see a scenario where the end game is you get your COVID vaccine every two years um, and you need it because it wears off and because the virus changes. And so you got to get a COVID vaccine booster every two years.
2: Same. So then what about the future? Will we ever go back to what we would consider the good old days or is that, you know, just a, a pipe dream and we're not going to return to normal anytime in the distant future?
9: I have not been gifted as a prophecy uh, to be able to really predict the future. (laughs) Come on, Rick. Give us a good word. uh, I, I think we are going to be suffering until at least spring 2021. And a lot of the questions will be there'll be two or three major questions. For those infected, how long does protection last? For those vaccinated, Um, there's actually four questions. How long will protection last? How good will the vaccine be? And how many people will take it? If a vaccine works half of the time and we need 70% herd immunity, 20% of the people are infected, but only half the people take the vaccine, well, that's 50 times 50, 25% plus 20% in natural infection. That's only 45% protection. We will not achieve um herd immunity and cessation of covid with 45% population
4: that's dr rick zimmerman covid-19 researcher in pittsburgh with the covid-19 update for western pennsylvania got to go we'll be right back in a couple
3: MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 27 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE.
0: Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com.
10: First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The
8: incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation.
5: The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in the Pittsburgh to come and experience.
0: First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Coming down the home stretch is Liberty Mutual, followed by Customizes Your Car Insurance. But wait, from the back comes So You Only Pay For What You Need. So it's Liberty Mutual Customizes Your Car Insurance So You Only Pay For What You Need. And I'm pretty sure this is just an elaborate insurance
6: ad.
4: Liberty, 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 Liberty. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us.
0: Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound senior's achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem. Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station.
2: Uh, you know, it's hard to keep up, isn't it? I mean, yes. look, we just went through two hours of conversation and ideas, and it's a swirl. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get lost in the mix of how difficult it is to be alive. I mean, Jim Belcher, that conversation sticks with me hard where are we in this polarized country how brutal we are to each other yep man oh man do we 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 need humility and we need Jesus more than ever for all of us for all of us in every sphere in our life we need to be kind to the stranger yes. and to those who are in our house and to ourselves we need all these things and still, might, here we are, dark yeah, and I lost. I
4: know, and I feel like I'm a broken record, but I just have to say that regardless of who somebody votes for, if they believe in Jesus and you believe in Jesus, they're your brother.
2: It supersedes everything, sister. does it not?
4: Yes, it's the number one thing.
2: It's the only it's, thing. Right, when you that's think,
4: real family.
2: Of course it is. Have yourself I'll a great night. Up. Uh, we're up at uh, wordfm.com on Facebook, the ride right home with John and Kathy.